It doesn't have to be your favorite. All right, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your continued blessings and mercy, which you renew every day. We thank you for allowing us to wake up and have the opportunity of the day. We thank you for the health and strength that we have, and we thank you for our, our physical family members, and we thank you for the spiritual family we have in Christ. We're appreciative of opportunities to gather like this, uh, to study together and to think together and to strengthen and encourage each other so that we can better serve you uh, when we leave this building. Please be with us, uh, all of us as individuals, every home that is represented here tonight, and uh, certainly with the congregation as a whole. Help us to be and do as much as we possibly can in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, this is our last class for the quarter. We have been uh, talking about Christian homes all quarter. And I sort of had to think what I wanted to do to finish out the quarter. There were probably another half a dozen or so topics that I, uh, you know, that I could potentially have talked about and I was interested in talking about. But I thought that what I would do is actually sort of try to tie the things that we've talked about over these last few months together. Um, in my mind, at least, what we've been doing is sort of looking at discrete aspects of a Christian home, uh, taking slices of a Christian home and sort of emphasizing different slices uh, in each class. But, but in my mind, at least, these are all pieces of a comprehensive pie. Not, not one of these things makes a Christian home, but it's sort of when you look at a home in its totality, these are the kinds of ingredients that you would find in a Christian home as distinguished from some other. And so what I thought we would do today is sort of um, go through and highlight several of the things that we have talked about um, so that maybe you can have some aspect of what I think is the comprehensive picture I have in my mind. So I want to go through all these various things that we talked about and make some observations. And I know some people maybe didn't make every class, uh, so that's what I'm hoping to do. And I invite, I invite any comments or questions or anything like that that you want to, uh, that you want to contribute. So the first thing, and I won't, all these won't be in order, uh, I tried to put, uh, I tried to do, keep the words to start with the same letter together. Not that that matters to you, but it just helps me. So uh, the first thing we talked about was leadership in a Christian home. And one of the reasons we talked about this is because the world sort of has some different kinds of constructs about how a home should be put together. But since the home is the basic building block of a community, uh, the pillar of any particular nation, and because the home is so important to the work and success of the church, uh, it really does matter. We should take some time to think about how God expects leadership in the home to work in a Christian home. What does the structure look like? Well, first of all, everyone in the home is under God. That was 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 3. The husband is the head of his family, but he has a head, and his head is Christ. In every Christian home, God is the ultimate authority in that home. And so the husband arranges himself under Christ. 
Now, according to God's design, the wife arranges herself under her husband. The Bible talks about the wife submitting to her husband and everything as unto the Lord. And then, of course, the children are arranging themselves under their parents. When we think about this idea of submission, it really is interesting if you were to ever study this the way the Greek term, what the Greek term conveys. When you talk about submission, it's not because you're submitting to someone inherently because they are greater or stronger or smarter. The Greek term has to do with arranging yourself under someone because it is fitting and appropriate. And this is what we're talking about, wives arranging themselves under their husbands because God said it's fitting and appropriate, and children doing the same thing. So in a Christian home, there is a clear structure. And uh, while society has lots of new ideas, it used to understand this kind of structure. In a Christian home, this would still be understood and emphasized. And so the conclusion that we drew Uh, from that particular lesson was that God makes provisions for all Christian, for all families to be Christian families. Uh, But this, this will mean that people will have to arrange themselves under him and under one another as he says it is appropriate. This kind of structure provides for the greatest safety and security and prosperity for the family. And, of course, you can see that there has been a great breakdown in the home, in our nation. And, friends, uh, this is where it begins. People don't respect the Word of God, and so they don't respect His arrangement. And once you throw that out the window, you have all kinds of problems. Uh, Any questions or thoughts about that? So, Christian, in a Christian home, leadership. Leadership has to be understood, and it has to be emphasized. The second thing uh, we talked about was the idea of law, law. There has to be rule. There has to be order. Within the structure that you have, there has to be some kind of arrangement in terms of how people will deal with one another. And uh, some of this, of course, God gives us. I mean, he tells us this is how things ought to function in your house. But underneath that, there has to be some rule, some order uh, promulgated by human beings to affect and bring about what God says he wants done in that home. And so there is a call in the Bible for law in the home. Um, And of course, you can see the Bible talks about the fact that uh, certain ones are to submit to one another, yes. But then the Bible says that there is a law of fathers and mothers. And the Bible talks about God actually appreciating men where he knew that they would command their houses and their houses would follow them. So he has, God has given certain commands, but then his expectation is that within the commands he has given and the authority that he gives to men, that husbands and fathers would promulgate law for their families that parents would promulgate law for their children. There is a call for that. And, uh, of course, we looked at several examples like that. And uh, I tried to spend some time in that class talking about specific, and I call them commandments. You know why? Because it starts with a C, right? I was working on C's, and and commandments starts with a C. But, But what kinds of rules might we put into place in our home? So we spent some time 
uh, thinking and talking about that. If you recall, you know, some of the things that I suggested is that, you know, we're going to worship together in our house. Everybody's going to go to the same building when it's time for the assembly, and we're going to worship together. We won't go in a bunch of different directions, and nobody's going to stay home and watch football when it's time to gather with God's people. We will, we will worship God together, and uh, we will study the Bible together. That was another one. And so in your house, my, my, my encouragement and my emphasis to you was that in your house, listen, if it's one person in your house, if there's two people in your house, if there's 20 people in your house, there have to be rules. There have to be rules. Everybody can't do whatever they want. And so obviously it's incumbent on the persons who are in positions of authority, God-given authority, to make sure that there are rules that promote, enhance, and encourage godliness in the house. Um, if you've ever been in a home where everybody sort of did what was right in their own eyes, it looks a lot different uh, than a house where, where God is in control because people will affect rules that sort of encourage what God wants done. And so the conclusion uh, that we took away from that particular discussion was that uh, there have to be clear rules there have to be regulations consistent with helping people live the way God wants them to live. Now, this, the rules apply to everyone, right? It's not just that, uh, you know, the husband and father or the parents get to make up all the rules for everybody else. Uh, the rules should be the kind of things that God wants and expects of everyone in the house. And so if I say, listen, uh, you know, we don't use certain language in our house. Well, that applies to me as well as everybody else in the house, right? If we say, you know, we say please and thank you, just, you know, very mundane kind of thing. That should apply to everybody. I don't order people around uh, just because, uh, because I'm the husband or the father. And so uh, we should have rules. There should be law. Questions or thoughts about that? Yes, they do. Well, people do expect, if you didn't hear Mike, he's, his point was that people do expect uh, and appreciate law, rules. Um, if you've ever been, you know, a part of any kind of group where you're trying to get something accomplished, if it's a sports team, if it's at work, if it's a project at school, uh, you want some rules. You want some guidelines because, and this was part of what I tried to uh, point out during that class, it makes us all safer. You know, rules make us all safer. Rules are not designed to um, limit our freedoms without cause. You know, God doesn't give us rules to limit our freedoms without cause. God gives us rules to protect us. And then within the rules that he gives us, we have freedom to safely do things. Uh, and so, you know, we, we know that we give our kids rules and we give them rules for a reason because we, do, we want them to be safe. They may not fully grasp and appreciate all of that, um, but we do. 
but we do. And so the same is true with God in dealing with us, and we should have rules in our house to keep us all safe. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Now that's pretty good. Um, we should be careful about that being the explanation that you, you do it because I say so. Now, of course, when I was growing up, that was good enough. <laughs> I, you know, if, if that was the reason that I was given, then that was good enough. Um, but, you know, and I, 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 you know, the thing is, as children, we're talking specifically about children because I don't think anybody would ever uh, try to use that rationale with their, their spouse. But, um, you know, there's age-appropriate explanation, right? As your children get older, then I think there's, there's probably more need to discuss and explain in part because you're wanting to prepare them to be independent people who make good decisions without you, right? I mean, if I just give you all of these sort of bright line rules and expect you to mindlessly stay within them, then at some point when you have to make decisions without me, you won't be equipped to actually reason through and make good decisions. So there's age-appropriate uh, age appropriate explanation. You know, and uh, sort, sort of at a certain point, um, children will think they know more than their parents. And because I said so, will have to be it until you have your own kids. And then you won't ask me because you'll understand, right? Yes, sir. Well, if you, you look at any society where people don't respect law, it's probably not a place you'd want to live. I mean, that's just the truth. It's not safe. It's not safe to live in an environment where people don't have to respect the rules. Uh, and, uh, of course, in our society, everybody doesn't. And people sometimes are encouraged not to respect the rules. But what I'm saying is in a Christian home, maybe as distinguished from some other. And I've, I've, I know people who think that, you know, I don't tell my kids what to do. I sort of let them figure all these things out on their own. And then, of course, you know, who's surprised when the kid gets to be a certain age if they have all kinds of problems because, you know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and you're letting the child make their own decisions. That's just not smart of you, right? Okay, uh, but law, that should be emphasized in a Christian home. And learning. There has to be an emphasis in a Christian home on the Word of God. Now, the point I tried to emphasize here was this is not necessarily beginning with mom and dad and two or three kids. I mean, if there's one person in the house, that one person should be studying the Word of God. There has to be a real emphasis on that. Um, and so even if you have a bunch of people in the home, individually people should be spending time with the Word of God, individually. Um, we certainly, you know, in our house, we certainly have that expectation. I mean, my kids at their age, listen, you have your reading to do. You have your study to do. Here are books and materials that you can work through on your own. This faith has to be yours. 
And at an early age, it needs to be yours. Um, but of course, if you do marry, then there has to be a time of study for couples too. Um, my wife is, you know, doing lessons and preparing stuff and she's, you know, working sometimes just um, like, boy, you, you surely are locked up in that office for long periods of time uh, preparing things. And I'm the same way, but at some point we need to sit down together and read the Bible together and talk about the Bible together. Uh, that does not happen in homes that are not Christian homes, but in a Christian home, that has to happen. We're not, we're not following Christ alone. The Bible says, First uh, Peter 3 and 7, we're joint heirs together, husband and wife. And that, that ought to be emphasized. And of course, there should be times where as a family, there's, you're studying together. Um, times for devotion, yes, uh, singing and prayer, but then also sitting down and opening the Word of God and letting God speak to you as a family, reading from His Word aloud and allowing the family as a whole to ingest what God is giving us for our spiritual benefit. Um, and so that was sort of the idea there. That's not happening in other homes, and some of the basic rudimentary things that human beings ought to know and understand about where they came from and how they ought to treat each other and how they ought to live, it's missing because the Word of God is missing in the home. Uh, this doesn't happen just because you bring your kids to Bible class on Sunday and Wednesday. Listen, bring them, but that's a supplement. It should be a supplement to what's happening in your house. Uh, it's a good opportunity, too, you know, when you have other people come over to your home and they see your family having times of devotion or you have other kids stay over and you bring them into your family study. It's a good witness also. Uh, any questions or thoughts about that? Uh, sort of the thing we try to take away from that is that uh, there has to be more to it than just coming to the assembly. Uh, that was the idea. There has to be consistent time of study in the home. Yes, sir. Yeah, if you didn't hear uh, what Terry said, even if you sort of put your children in a Christian environment, if it's in a school or university or something like that, uh, certainly as a parent, you still have some responsibility to make sure that they are getting what they should be getting and doing what they should be doing. Now, of course, you know, when your child is 12, you have a certain amount of authority, and when they're 22, uh, maybe your approach will have to be somewhat different because you're using influence rather than the specter of punishment and so forth. Uh, but when they're 35 or 45, you know, uh, if the Lord will allow me to see my children uh, become adults, uh, I'm still going to be interested 
in what they're doing spiritually. I'm still going to want to know what they're reading and how they're serving, and I'm going to want to make sure that they're setting a good example for other people and hopefully any grandkids they give me and that they're being good Christian husbands to the wives. I'm already praying for these girls that they're going to marry. I'm praying for them already and hoping that they're being raised in good Christian homes themselves and that they're being prepared to be good wives to preachers. Uh, I'm praying for them already, and I'm trying to equip these guys to be worth marrying. And I'm going to try to make sure that they take care of these uh, daughters that they're supposed to bring me, right? Uh, And I'll, boy, I tell you, those daughters are going to have some help when it comes to me, because if these boys get out of line, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on them even when they're grown men. All right. But uh, so learning, this is, this is a key ingredient in a Christian home. It is absent in other homes. They have that Bible, you know, sort of on the coffee table that nobody else opens, or maybe they can't even find it in a Christian home. The Bible is open all day, every day. It's read and it's discussed. Um, love in a Christian home. We looked at this, and what I tried to show you was that there are, there are several demands for love in the Bible, specifically in the context of the family. Husbands are called, commanded to love their wives. Wives are commanded to love their husbands. Parents are commanded to love their children. This has to be characteristic of any Christian home. Jesus said, this is how people will know you're my disciples. And he wasn't just saying by the way you love each other during the one hour you spend together on Wednesday nights. No, it's how you live all the time, every day. And of course, in your home, you'd have the best opportunity to do what he calls us to do, to love each other. And one of the things I tried to point out to you is that in in loving his disciples, Jesus uh, didn't have any problem saying to his disciples that he loved them. And uh, I know uh, that sometimes men, you know, we grow up and it's not something that we say all the time, but Jesus said it and he said it to men. And uh, it should be something that is said in the Christian home. It's something that should be done because love is an action word, but it's also something that should be declared. And uh, we talked about several ways that you could demonstrate your love to your family members. Um, This is an easy thing to overlook because we just think, well, I care for my family. I have these feelings for my family, and they may be intense feelings, but that's not what Jesus called us to do. Have these intense feelings only. I can show you where he says you ought to have these intense feelings, but he, when he says to love each other, the Bible says we ought to love each other as Christ loved us. And it wasn't with words only. It wasn't with intense feelings only. Only he gave himself for us. It's action. And so in a Christian home, you should see people just loving all over each other. That's what should be happening. And you know what? In a society like this one, that is more and more compelling because you see how the family has deteriorated and how even family members talk to each other and abuse each other and sort of run out on each other and they're not there for each other. Well, in a Christian home, we should be showing people 
what love looks like. I mean, if somebody comes over to your house for dinner, they ought to see love in action, you know. If they live next door to you, they ought to be able to look back 20 years later and say, you know, that family, they were different. They treated each other differently. The way the parents took care of the children and even the children as they got older, how they took care of their parents and how difficult things came up and they clung to one another and they took care of each other. I mean, they ought to see that. That's what Jesus is talking about. Uh, any questions or thoughts about that? Love has to have great emphasis in a Christian home. Um, part of the reason that God gives us um, families is so that we can love each other. Uh, we can take care of each other. And uh, we should be consistently doing that, reflecting on God's love and showing God's love in our relationships with one another. This was an interesting um, lesson for me, at least. I talked about legacy in the Christian home, and I had told you that it's something that I sort of think about and sort of meditate on, and uh, we ought to give this some thought. What are we handing down? What are we leaving behind in our families? Um, you know, the name doesn't matter so much because people's names can change based on marital relationships and so forth. But the Bible does talk about how it's important to have a good name and to leave a good name. This is something you're leaving behind. And so your children or your family members, they sort of have to come into the name that you leave behind. And we ought to be leaving a good one behind. And uh, what I tried to make a demonstration to you about is that it is inevitable that you will leave something behind. And I'm not talking about any money or property. I mean, you're going to leave a legacy behind. It's inevitable. Everybody touches someone, and you certainly will touch the people in your home. And uh, you ought to be careful about what you're creating and what you're leaving behind. And also, the legacy that you leave can have a significant and dynamic impact for good or bad, for generations and generations. And so this is the kind of thing that a Christian really has to give serious consideration to. Um, you know, if there's some bad things in your family's uh, lineage, you know, your, your family has a you know, a long line of problems with, you know, drinking or something or smoking or something or certain kind of health issues or bad habits. You know, in a Christian home, you've got to stop and think to yourself, it's up to me to put a stop to this, right? I can't leave this to my children. Just because somebody left it to me once I recognize that it's deleterious, that it's dangerous, that it's harmful, uh, then it's incumbent on me to say, I won't leave this to my children. And uh, some of you had the benefit of maybe growing up in a home that was a Christian home. And so there's three or four or five generations of, of uh, Christians maybe that you can point a finger at. And then some of us, you know, we sort of came up in the world. And, you know, when you go through the world, you pick up all kinds of garbage. But uh, you don't give your children garbage. You don't leave that for the next generation. You throw that out so they don't have to deal with that. And that was kind of what I was hoping to emphasize there so we could be intentional and uh, intentionally do things and think about the way we're doing things so that we not only have a Christian home ourselves, 
but we sort of create a legacy of Christian homes afterwards, right? So I've got two kids. My hope is my wife and I, we only have the one family, uh, but my children will grow up and they will go out and they will start their own families. And so from our one home, there should be at least two more, right? And they will hopefully have kids and so forth and that, that kind of legacy, the things that I'm doing right now, I should be thinking like that. Uh, I I would say to you, in a a home where people don't think like that, they might tend to be more selfish. They're just wanting to do whatever they want to do and not thinking about how it affects those who come behind. Yes, sir. Hmm. It can be very difficult to live down uh, a bad name. And, of course, you know, you guys probably know people. I know people who the kids, their names are ruined before they ever even reach adulthood. I mean, the parents have, you know, used their names for different things and, you know, named them after, you know, somebody in the family who was just a numbskull and a ne'er-do-well. I mean, that kind of thing. Christians should be thinking about that, you know. I'm going to leave something to my children beyond anything I can put in a will. The most important things I can leave will not be in the will. And we should be thinking about that. Um, and the, the big point I was trying to make there is it's easier than we think to have a bigger impact than we know. We all leave a legacy. And in a Christian home, I think this should be talked about. It should be thought about. More recently, we talked about language in a Christian home. And... We know that the world, I mean, boy, the standards for language have just uh, eroded terribly uh, in recent years. But in a Christian home, we know that God tells us it's important for us to control our language uh, because we'll have to answer to God for every word that we say, even every idle word that we say. And we know the power of life and death is in the tongue. Some people are just very flippant with the things that they say, blasphemous things and guttural kinds of things. I mean, these things should never, they should never be spoken in a Christian home. And you know, your kids in particular, I mean, adults presumably have sort of, you've heard all of these various things before, but your children are going to hear those things, and uh, you have to be able to help them negotiate what is good and what is bad so they know how to control their speech. Um, Speech is very influential. And the Bible has a lot to say, a lot to say about the tongue. I mean, it has as much to say about the tongue maybe as it has to say about anything. Uh, And that's because God is truly concerned about it. Uh, The Bible says the fear of Jehovah is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way, and the perverse tongue do I hate. He hates a perverse tongue. Proverbs 8 and 13. And so this, well, this will demand emphasis 
in a Christian home? You know, what kinds of things are you guys listening to on the radio or on television? And what kinds of jokes are you telling? Are people gossiping and that kind of thing? I mean, you just got to really try to screen all this out in your home. In somebody else's home, they don't care. You know, children are watching things on television. Adults are watching things on television. And the conversation is wholly inappropriate and so forth. In a Christian home, that should not be. Um, so the idea here is you see what's going on in the world, and it could be, um, it, it might not be very difficult for us to lower our standards and become lackadaisical. And it's not just about um, uh, cussing, I think is the better term. Cursing is not really what we're talking about, but profanity. It's not just about profanity. The Bible says that we need to have our speech seasoned and everything we say should be said for edifying purposes. Now, that's not just saying it shouldn't be bad. That's saying that it should be good. That's a higher standard. We talked about parenting some. As a matter of fact, we spent two classes talking about parenting. And in a Christian home, uh, parents are going to have to look at their responsibility of rearing children differently than the world. Because, uh, you know, as we said, sometimes the world, when it comes to parenting let the children uh, sort of do whatever they think is best, or they leave the rearing of the children as a practical matter to the schools or to television or to the babysitter or what have you. But, you know, you don't get Christians back when you do that. You don't get godly people back when you do that. The Bible says God made the two one specifically so that he could have a godly seed. He put men and women together in Malachi chapter 2 specifically so that he could have people who walked in relationship with him. That's what he wants. And so he has trusted parents. He has entrusted parents with the responsibility of rearing children to walk in relationship with him. In order for that to happen, parents have to instruct. They have to tell children, this is right and this is wrong. This is what you can do and this is what you cannot do. This is what God says about it. They have to tell people that. Now, at the same time, saying it is not enough. They have to display it as well. Model. You tell and you show. You use your words and you use your own example. And sometimes, listen, your kids are great kids, right? You have the best kids on the planet. And sometimes the best kids on the planet don't listen. And so parents are the ones who have to discipline. That's part of parenting. The Bible says a failure to discipline, or the Bible teaches, it doesn't say it this way, but a failure to discipline is a failure to love. In the book of Hebrews, it says if you're without chastisement, then you're bastards and not sons. Then you're illegitimate. Then your parents don't care if they don't restrain you. It's interesting. I was home for the holidays, and one of my first cousins, we grew up together, as a matter of fact, he lived right next door to me for several years. And now I've got my kids, he's got his kids, because, you know, it's like my generation, it's all of our kids now. And uh, he said something very profound to me. We were talking about uh, our children's schooling. And, of course, we homeschool our kids. And uh, he, he works very diligently with his, with his daughter on her homework and that kind of thing. And he was saying he wanted her to put... Uh, pay more attention and to put more focus on and he was trying to emphasize that with her and then he says you know I think I could have gotten further and done better if I just had more structure but I was sort of allowed to do 
whatever I wanted. See, now he's a grown man and he's looking back and he's thinking, I wish my parents had been more involved. I wish when I was doing these things, my parents had restrained me. But of course, at the time, he didn't want to be restrained. And so just living next door to him, I mean, I got to see this firsthand. I mean, my parents were more like, hey, listen, it has to be this way and that way. And he had a lot more freedom. And he was a little younger than me. And I thought, well, man, if he can do that, why can't I do that? Well, uh, we had different parents. And I'm suggesting that the biblical model for parenting, you're telling your children what to do. You're showing them what to do. And when they get out of line, you restrain them. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And your children are going to turn out differently than somebody else's because you do that. We always hope and pray that our children will not depart from the paths that God sets for them. And certainly if we raise our children to be godly, then uh, there is a greater likelihood that they will be godly. And if they decide to stray from good and right paths, they at least have the means to recover themselves because we have told them and shown them. If we don't do that and they get lost in the world, how can they recover themselves? They don't even have an anchor to draw themselves back in. So... This is our responsibility as parents. God trusts us to do that. Now, the second lesson that we did on parenting was about discipline because, as I said, parents have a, a duty to discipline. And uh, specifically, we talked about corporal punishment. And time out and all that's fine, and um, I'm sure there's other things you can do, and there's things that are age-appropriate, you know, but at a certain point, uh, children should be spanked and there's a way to do that and I tried to make sure that I was pointing out we're not talking about any kind of abuse and their biblical principles that you should keep in mind but you know what uh, God knows what he's talking about and he says repeatedly that children should be spanked the rod of correction drives foolishness out of the heart of a child spanking is a loving thing when it's done the right ways for the right reasons it is a loving thing and it is instructive. There are some lessons that children won't learn without it. And if you wait for them to mature to the point where they can learn it without it, they may not make it. Uh, because they do understand a pat on the behind or a pop on the back of the leg when they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing a long time before they can understand you're sitting down and reading the Bible and trying to make them get that. Now, as they get older, of course, you want to do more and more of that. But spanking is instructive when it's done the right way, and it is corrective. You know what? It's effective in modifying behavior. It is. And uh, so there certainly is a place for it. And the only thing I'd say to that, again, uh, I don't really feel a need to try to defend that. Some people uh, don't see that the same way, but I will just say God knows what he's talking about. And he says something about that many, many times in the Bible. We talked about priorities in the Christian home and... The point that I was making here is that the way we make decisions and the things that we do in a Christian home, they don't look like everybody else's because we have a different set of priorities than other people have. This is why our day-to-day -day lives and the major decisions that we make, they look different because we have different priorities. We're not trying to make as much money as possible. We're not trying to have the biggest house we possibly can. We're not trying to, you know, amass all the various degrees we can get. We don't draw our value from that. 
God is before everyone and everything else, and his word is before everyone else's word. We emphasize Christians over other people, other people over ourselves, duty before pleasure, and spiritual things over natural or carnal things. Uh, we make our decisions based on our priorities, and our priorities are different than other people's. Uh, the last thing was uh, not in order, but the last thing I mentioned today was uh, play. The reason I mention that is because being a Christian doesn't have to be stodgy, right? It doesn't have to be sort of uh, joyless. As a matter of fact, we should be people who live joyful lives. And so there is a need for play, but there are proper boundaries for it. And there is a great benefit to families playing together, rejoicing together, and I encourage you to do that. Hopefully there's some help in this, uh, just try to present a sort of a manifold picture, all these different aspects of a Christian home. God give us Christian homes. He's given us everything we need to have them. He's given us everything we need to have them. Thank you for your time today and uh, over the last few months.